You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. That you would know the fathom of his love. That you would know the length that God went to to save you. That you would know the depth at which Jesus was willing to come to redeem you. That this would be so secure and so solid in your heart. That you would be filled with this knowledge of him. And that God still has even higher heights that he wants to take you to. No human being has the mental, emotional, or spiritual capacity to fully understand the scale of the love that God has for us. In today's message, Pastor Dave will try to offer even a minuscule glimpse of that love, and even that is more than our hearts can comprehend. That love is for you, and it's completely free. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 14 as he begins his message, The Manifestation of God's Love. John 14, verse 19. Jesus is still speaking. A little while longer, the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. At that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which I hear is not mine, which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. So as I looked at these scriptures before me, I wanted to look at the manifestation of God's love. Because that's what I see in these scriptures before us this morning. And I want to ask you a question. Have you ever thought about that deep and special love that God the Father has for you? Have you ever really thought about it? I mean, not a passing thought. I'm talking about a deep, deep thought. Maybe perusing God's Word to find out what it says, how much God loves you. The Apostle Paul wanted the Ephesian church to experience this special love. He wanted them desperately to experience this special love that God has for them and God has for us. So he writes to them in Ephesians 3, verses 15 through 19, and he prays for them. And his prayer is that they would experience this love. 
They would know this love. But the word know is gnosko. It means to know by experience. That they would feel this love in their lives. It would just overwhelm them. He wanted them to experience more of the love of God. He wanted them to experience more of the love of Jesus Christ, our Savior. He wanted them to be able to comprehend the width, the length, the depth, and the height. He prayed that they would be rooted and grounded in God's word. This love that Christ has for us, this love that God has for us, that passes knowledge. He wanted us to be filled with all the fullness of God. Wow. What a beautiful prayer. And amen is right. What a beautiful prayer. It's my prayer for us today that we would be filled with that, that we would understand that. We would comprehend that which is incomprehensible, that we would somehow, through the Spirit, learn about this deep, deep love that God has for each and every one of us. And that's what Paul is saying to the Ephesians. God loves you so much that I'm going to pray that you then would know the depths of God's love that you would know the length of God's love, the height of God's love, that you would know the fathom of his love. Oh, that we would know, that you would know the length that God went to to save you, that, that you would know the depth at which Jesus was willing to come to redeem you, that this would be so secure and so solid in your heart that you would be filled with this knowledge of him and that God still has even higher heights that he wants to take you to. He has even higher heights that he, he wants you to ascend to, that you might be seated with him in Christ Jesus in heavenly places, looking at his eternal kingdom, by the way, which you would be a joint heir with God. Oh, the heights of the glory God has for you. If you could only know, Paul is saying, if you could only comprehend this. And if you're a joint heir, that means that you are a son. That you are a son or a daughter. You are a child of the Most High God. And go to 1 John for a minute. Specifically in chapter 3 of 1 John. Look at the first several verses that John now writes. He says, in verse 1 of chapter 3, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know Him, beloved. Now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed that we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope is in Him purifies himself just as he is pure. John wants us to call on the experience of God's love. He, he calls on that experience a love that is pure, a love that is practical, a love that is perfect. And he wants us to know that love. And he's picking up here on the theme that he wrote back in his gospel, Specifically in verse, in verse 12 of chapter 1, when he said, For as many as received him, Jesus Christ, to them they've given the right or the privilege or the power to become children of God. For as many as received. And John then develops this beautiful, beautiful treatise 
about adoption into the sonship of Jesus Christ, into the sonship of God the Father. And its meaning is that God loves us to the exact same degree that he loved Jesus Christ. The same degree. The exact same degree. Fathom that. I don't know if you can wrap your head around it. I'm having a difficult time sometimes wrapping my head around that knowledge that God loves me with the same degree that he loved Jesus Christ, making me a joint heir. Wow, that's right. What manner of love is this? A manner that is bestowed upon us. A manner that is lavished upon us. A love that is freely given. A love that is freely given. It's a reckless love. Beautiful song. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. But you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Wow. Here, the author of this song calls God reckless. Now, he's not reckless like you and I think reckless. He's not reckless like you and I might be reckless. He calls it reckless because God gave up everything for you. He gave up everything of himself for you in a manner that seemed reckless, seems reckless to the world. That's what the author is saying here. Another wonderful and beautiful song that's written, how deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. Wow. See, comprehending this vast and deep love was what the Apostle Paul and the Apostle John wanted us to experience. That's what he wants you to experience today. God is wanting you to experience this type of love in your life. It is there for the taking because it's already been given to you. He's already poured out that to you. And this is how Paul prayed that they would experience. And this is my heartfelt prayer for all of you today, that we all would experience this beautiful love. This wonderful love, this reckless love, this this powerful love. That we would experience that in our lives. Because if we experience that truly, your lives will change. There will be a vast change in your life. A major change in your life. We need to experience that. We need to experience that. You know, of all the apostles, John seems to dwell on the theme of love more than them all. In fact, some have called him the apostle of love because his theme all through the gospel of John, his theme all through one John is love. And that's the theme that he writes about. In fact, it was so ingrained in his heart by the Lord Jesus Christ that when he became older, remember, he outlived them all. When he became older, they had to carry him in the church because he was unable to walk in by himself. And he would be the center of attention in church because, after all, it was the Apostle John. And people would look at him, and according to tradition, he would always repeat the words, Children, love one another. Beautiful words. In fact... In the first epistle of John, in 1 John, he mentions love some 35 times in five chapters. 
And even in today's verses, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but in today's short five verses, he mentions the word love in some kind of form seven times. Seven times. Now, other apostles dwell on God's love also. One in particular is the apostle Paul writing that beautiful passage, 1 Corinthians 13, that we call the love chapter. Everybody loves that thing, the set at weddings. We constantly look at that as a love. And in that chapter, Paul describes a love, a love that doesn't fade away, a love that is perfect, a love that never fails. And in reality, he is describing Jesus Christ. He is describing Jesus Christ as the example of that love. He's describing him, and here, here is your example. Look at this love. Emulate that love. Love like that. Didn't Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you? That is the way we are to love. But he also gives us a warning. There's a warning that is given to us by Jesus about our love. He said that in the end times, the love of many will grow cold. The love of many will grow cold. This is a sad state. I see it happening today. I see it happening in various churches today when, like the church of Ephesus in Revelation, they have left their first love. They haven't lost their first love. They've left their first love. They've left it behind, and their love is growing cold. Why? Because they're seeking self. They're self-seekers. They're selfish. They're seeking that, and they're not dispensing God's love to one another according to what Jesus says. So we need to be careful of that. And another hymn, the writer writes this about love. Love is the never-ending theme, and we should dwell only in its manifestation how that love is manifested by God to those he loves and to those who love him. So I guess the next question must be, how does God manifest his love? How does God manifest his love? And according to the scriptures and a few other things that we've talked about, I've come up with several reasons. The first way, and I believe the main way that God has manifested his love can be found in Romans 5, verse 8. Basically, it says that God demonstrated his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died on a cross. And it's very interesting because if you look at the word demonstrate, which I did, and went into synonyms, one of the synonyms of demonstrate is manifest. So you could say that God manifested his love towards us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died on a cross for us. Beautiful, beautiful thing. So God manifested his love by allowing his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to go to a cruel Roman cross and die in our place. And this is the theme, go back to 1 John, This is the theme that John wants to talk about in verses 7 through 11 in chapter 4. In verses 7 through 11 in chapter 4 of 1 John, the apostle writes this, Beloved, I like how he calls us beloved. I don't know, I I like that. It reminds me of J. Vernon McGee. Dearly beloved. I love that. I really love J. Vernon. He always calls him his beloved. John says, Beloved. 
Let us love one another. Why? For love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God. Why? For God is love. And then here's the kicker. In this, the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, there's that word again. If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. What a beautiful treatise here. What a beautiful picture of love that, God, that, that John is making here. As I was reading through, one commentator said this, how do you know that God loves you? How is it that you know that God loves you? Well, a lot of people say, well, I look at nature. And in fact, somebody even came to me after first service and says, well, you know, I look at nature and I see the butterfly flying and I see this and I see that and it's all glorious. Well, what I said first service was, yeah, that's wonderful. Until you see the rabbit run across the road and the coyote goes, that's nature, isn't it? Oh, where's God in that? I don't see a lion sitting with a lamb. I don't see any of that. Why else all this happening? Nature doesn't tell me that God loves me. Nature doesn't tell me that God loves me. Nature should draw me to God. When I see the beauty of it, I should think that there is a creator. And I should think that there is a power way above my head that created all this. Now, that's what draws me there. But I don't see God's love in nature. Why? Because nature, like man, is fallen. Nature, just like man, is falling. What does it say? The earth groans. The earth is groaning because we're fallen with a fallen thing because of Adam's sin. It's been cursed by sin. So you can't tell me that nature shows me God's love. So the question then comes, well, how can I know God's love? How do I know God's love? Yes, he tells us in his word, and we believe that, and we accept that. I agree. But God does not seek to prove his love to you except in one place. And there's only one place that God's love has been proven time and time again. That place is sufficient. That place is sufficient to handle anything that's going on in your life right now, to handle anything that's going on in your life next week, to handle anything that's happening in your life, whether it be good, bad, or indifferent, whether it be a sickness, an illness, a relationship problem, it's, it's capable to handle anything, anything at all. And you know what happens? Satan comes along when we're in those kind of moods, and he says, where is God's now? Where is this love? How can you trust in the love of God when he allowed this in your life? How do you say God loves you when this is happening? How can you possibly say that God loves you? And it's a fact that he challenges you with this. And, you know, he always challenges at the appropriate time for him. But when he begins to challenge you with that, all you need to do is take a look at the price right here. There it is, right there. There it is. That's the manifestation of God's love right there on the cross. It is sufficient. It is sufficient. Because all my scholars back there, except for the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, we're not going to go there, name me a sin that wasn't taken care of there. Name me one. You can't. Name me a problem that wasn't taken care of there. You can't. It is sufficient. It is sufficient. You question God's love? Look at the cross. As you read his word and as he speaks to you, he speaks to you of the cross. 
He speaks to you of the wonder of the cross. We sing, oh, the wondrous cross. He speaks to you of that cross. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So the love of God has been manifested to us by Jesus' death on the cross. But it doesn't stop there. Because as we discussed last week, the love of God is also manifested to us by Jesus' resurrection from the dead. Praise God. See, why? Because love is a sign of life. Love is a sign of life. It said God is love. You could also say God is life. God is love. God is life. The appearance of love shows that a man has life of God with him, in him. The new life that carries us by faith in Jesus Christ. It's a love. It's not a lie. It's a love. Those who believe in Jesus Christ have this life. Why do we have this life? Because we cling to Jesus Christ. We cling to him. And and we won't let him out of our sight. We cling to all the things that he is. Now, sometime in this millennium, we're going to get to chapter 15. I guarantee it. And when we do, we're going to see that Jesus is going to say, I'm the vine. You're the branches. Abide in me. He's going to say, cling to me. Cling to me. Cling to me. Jesus said in verse 19, and I love this, he was speaking directly of the resurrection. We covered it fully last week. In verse 19, he says this word, because I live you will live also. Beautiful promise of God. A beautiful promise. Jesus also tells us that God has manifested his love by the coming of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 20. At that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Jesus asked the Father to send the Holy Spirit upon his disciples. Why? So they could be joined together. So they could be joined together as one. Jesus was living, leaving. He was going to sit at the right hand of God the Father. He didn't want them to be orphans. He didn't want them to be comfortless. So he sent the Holy Spirit. It is through the Holy Spirit that the promise that the disciples would owe a life of relationship. That's what it's all about. It's all about a relationship. We have that relationship now with God, with Jesus, by the Holy Spirit. That is what gives us that relationship. It's the Holy Spirit that leads us into all truth of Jesus Christ, that witnesses of Jesus Christ, that guides us and teaches us all things. So we have that relationship with God by the Holy Spirit. It's a union. You can have that too. It's a union that we can know God's will. We can know him in a way. We can experience his love. We can experience the revelation of Jesus Christ in ourselves as he manifests himself to us. Where does this flow from? It flows from the union with God that we have through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in you, witnessing and testifying of Jesus Christ. As we look at verse 21, Jesus then promises a manifestation of God's love through him. He promises a manifestation of God's love through him. He says, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. You are a Our time with you is coming to an end today on A Sure Hope. On our next edition, Pastor Dave Shank will continue this journey through the book of John. But for now, you can listen to more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. 
We encourage you to download these messages so that they are available wherever you go. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for A Sure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. If you're enjoying these teachings and would like to get more involved with the church behind this ministry, we'd love to meet you at Calvary Chapel Cape May for a time of worship and Bible study. We meet weekly on Sundays at 10 a.m. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Otherwise, you can visit Assure Hope Radio for times and directions. If you're not able to join us in person, we're streaming our services on Facebook Live. Just look for the link on our website at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message in the book of John. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the Word and that you discover how God's doing great things in your life. We look forward to you joining us again as Pastor Dave has more to share from this book that entails where Jesus walked and the amazing wonders he performed while here on earth. He's still doing wonders today too. Come hear about that next time on A Sure Hope.